Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 25 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. We have a Facebook group called Baseball 365, where there's over 50 posts or discussions daily discussing things going on in the fantasy baseball universe. We are also on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. I try to get on daily and tweet stuff I'm seeing and retweeting a bunch of interesting things that I'm finding out there that's baseball-related. Last week, we discussed the positives here around Memorial Day with us discussing the lead league leaders of each category. And on tonight's show, we're going to discuss the busts of 2019 so far. We're going to discuss what we're doing with these guys in redraft leagues and discuss about talk about them in dynasty leagues, too. We also have some good topics to cover that were provided by the Facebook group and on Twitter, and we also have some news we're going to cover this week. And allow me to introduce my co-host, the man who's running the top of Roto- at the top of Rotomasters 2. That'd be Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how you doing, my friend? Doing good. Don't jinx me. <laughs> it's, a long, gonna, it's a long season, man. It, it's a marathon, not a sprint, to quote Tim McLeod, who always says that. And yeah. That's truth to that. Got so some, got some guys got at least one, maybe two on my heels. So yeah, it's long season. Yes. There's plenty of competition in that league between Jared Brentfro and Benny and Ryan and, um, Oh, Jeremy Steve, Hansen and Steve up there. Yeah. There's a lot of guys who are, they're going to, they're going to be pushing at you. Yep. So, Andrew, I thought I'd start off talking about the MLB draft that started this past Monday night. And I'll be honest, even though I play in a few dynasty leagues and I take this stuff real seriously, I mean, I'm following my team 365 days a year. I don't follow the MLB draft too close at this point of the year. But I know that you told me you watched the draft. So I thought I'd ask you, how close do you follow these prospects at this point? Uh, at this point, I mean, not not real seriously. I I like to uh, just read a little bit about them, you know, going into it. And I'm not – it's not too crazy. Um, I did watch it. I watched through about pick 25, I think. And uh, then I fell asleep. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean – I get into it though. I do. I, it's not though. It's not one of those things where like I have my guys picked out that I'm going to take in a first year player draft next year though. You know, it's not like I'm I'm not that deep into it yet. I just I just like casually watching it. There was only a few games on on Monday night, so I was more focused on the draft than the games. I think and that's really smart of the MLB to do it the way they do it. I think they had a Monday afternoon game, and then they only had West Coast late games to where they were really trying to make it to where if you're into baseball, you want to be watching the draft. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I I like hearing Callis talk. He's Jim Callis. He's just so good. He just nails all the picks, knows everything about everybody. It's it's awesome. So, but yeah, it was good. Uh it, it's good to watch. I liked watching it. But as so, far as as far as actually diving into it for fantasy and stuff, I'll probably do more of that in the off season just cuz there's more time and there's other stuff going on. Those guys can't be rostered until then anyway. So at Jim least in, in leagues I'm in Jim Callis. He's actually on the MLB network show during the draft. Yeah. Yeah. He's on the show. Um, they had him, they had, uh, 
that Colazzo guy, I think is his last name. He's he's with Baseball America now. Callis used to be. Um, but yeah, they're they were both on. They kept going to them, and then they had, you know, Jonathan Mayo and all those guys on there. So one of these years I'm gonna have to sit down and watch it. I haven't yet. How how would you compare the watching experience of it on TV compared to the NFL draft? You know, I my NFL fandom is waning year after year, but the draft was something I, even though baseball was going on, I used to get real pumped up for watching the draft on that Thursday night, but not so much the last few years, but yeah, it's, it's different in the sense that, you know, obviously these guys, it's going to probably be a couple years till we see most of them, at least a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, NFL, it's like instant. I mean, you're going to see them this fall. So it's, it's a little different in that regard, and not as many people watch it. It's a little smaller environment. You know, they do it at, like, the studio of um, MLB Network or whatever. It's in the studio where they have everybody. And, you know, there was only, like, four guys that were being drafted that were that were even there. So it's not – it's different for sure than the NFL or the NBA draft. But That was going to be my next question. You said it was going on at the studio – so are there any fans in there watching live? Not really fans. There was like a few from each of the families of the kids that, yeah. were, that were in there. And then there's like the representatives, one or two representatives from every team that was in the actual room, you know. And then Man- Manfred comes out and calls out all the picks and the guys up on the, in the, uh, on the set. But it's not a lot of people in that room, really. It's not a ton. I'm sure Manfred's looking at the NFL draft every April and wondering why can't we do this? And I'm sure that yeah. he's going to keep trying, but yeah, it's hard it's, to replicate that. It's going to be tough just because of the, like I was saying, the difference between, well, not only, you know, the NFL just has more viewers to begin with, but yep. also too the, the amount of time that it is from when these guys are drafted until when they actually play an MLB. I think, that plays a part of it. I mean, yeah. you kind you it kind of speaks for it when you say you don't even watch because you're a hardcore fan. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, like you're a big baseball fan, and that just kind of goes to show you. I mean, there's not a large amount of people that get into it. You know, and I wouldn't even say that I get really, really into it. I, I watch it. I like to watch it, but it's kind of a casual thing for me until the off season when I can really dive into them more. Agreed with that part, and. My typical tradition every year is get on Roto World there, watch, watch, read the blurb on every pick there. That's about all I do outside of listening to a few podcasts the last few weeks. But even then, I start, I notice that after the top few guys, I just realize I'm not going to remember any of these guys anyway. So I kind of start tuning it out. Like I know of Adley Rutchison, who was number one. Rutchman. Okay. So I actually did write that. Right in the notes. I didn't. I was guessing. I may not have spelled it right, but him, Bobby Witt. I think you did actually. I think you spelled it right. And Andrew Vaughn with the um, who the White Sox took. I knew of those three guys. I don't yeah, know any the and the there there were a couple more that I I remember their name sounded familiar, but I I only know those three really right now. Yeah. Well, the the good thing is is you don't really have to know them yet. No. You know because. Until the uh, until the off season when like we do our drafts and stuff, that's as long as you know them. By the time those roll around, that's really all that matters. So, 
But the big theme I'm hearing is this is a year that was terrible for college pitchers yeah. and is really good for hitters in terms of it may be not deep, but there's just a lot of, from what I hear specifically, power this year. Yeah. Power bats. I think it's going to be one of those sub drafts and, you know, we're still a ways away from that, but I think it's going to be one of those where it's a lot of hitters. You know, it's just, there's just going to be a lot of hitters and that's good. I mean, that's yep. what we want anyway. So it's, it's, uh, that's, that's good to me. I don't know. I think I'd rather there be some pitchers in there that somebody else could take. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'd rather just take all the hitters and let somebody else take Matt Libertor, who yeah. may turn out to be an awesome pitcher, but I want nothing to do with right now as he's sitting in low. A. He's in low A right now, right? Uh, yeah, I believe he's on. Yeah, Bowling Green. I think he's with, uh, with Wander Bowling Green, uh, yeah. Great. And you know what? If anybody wanted to own him, good for you. No, no interest right now. Now, yeah. I'll be more than happy to pay a higher price to get a trade for him when he's in the upper minors because at least I feel like he's closer. Trade for him once he's up. But yeah, I think we've uh, talked about this. The um, Pirates actually drafted a high school kid, a high school pitcher from Illinois that I'd heard a little bit about kind of in the middle of the first round. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, he's like six years away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, it's like instantly, it's like uh, Shane Boz, you know, it's just like you go, you get a really young arm to the Pirates and it's like, it's going to be a slow burn. He'll come up at 25 because he'll also have Tommy John. Yeah. There, so it'll be, he'll be like 25. He'll struggle for a year, get traded to Tampa for the, for, you know, and he'll become an ace. That's what'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's dig into some news from this past week. There was a lot that's gone on, and the first piece of news this week is the worst. Uh, this absolutely bums me out. Andrew McCutcheon, who still a really good player, but he's an 80-grade human being, and he has a torn ACL and is out for the season. On he hurt himself, I think, on Monday night in a rundown. And Andrew, I was high on him before the season, and I, was, I remember telling you on this podcast, I was bummed I didn't get any shares. So since I'm without any shares, I'm not bothered from a fantasy perspective here. But just as a fan of baseball and a fan of McCutcheon and the guy he is, this just really bums me out. I mean, I keep saying that he's an 80-grade human being. Yeah, it's disappointing. He's, he's, uh, he's a good dude. I mean, Whatever you want to say, plays the game the right way. I know that's cliche and all that, but just good to see him out there. I think he was headed for a little bit better of a second half than the first half that he was having, but it wasn't like he was playing bad or anything. Um, I do have one share. It's a draft and hold, so it's a little disappointing. But, but yeah, as a baseball fan, it, it sucks. So now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this from a fantasy outlook. He's gone. And I was hearing people talking about who they're going to have in center now. And I was trying to figure out what happened to Odebel Herrera. I completely forgot that he adds on administratively for the domestic violence incident. And I really don't want to talk about that. This fantasy baseball podcast, but we'll just go back here. Now the Phillies need a center fielder. And on Tuesday night, they called up Adam Hazley to play center field. And I really haven't followed Hazley too close in the minors, Andrew. And I know you're, more plugged in than I am. So I'll ask you, what are your thoughts on Hazley? 
I think he's. Uh, I mean, I, his best tool is his hit tool, so that's good. I don't know how much else he'll provide from a fantasy standpoint. I do think there's a period here where he may get an extended look just because obviously McCutcheon's out for the year now. So like we said, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, they may give him the look, but I do, I also do feel like that uh, between, because now they're pretty much looking at Harper, Bruce and Hazley, if I'm not mistaken in the outfield. I've heard. Mm-hmm. I, I think I read Kingery's going to third and Franco's going to the bench. I haven't so, heard that yet. Yeah, I I heard that. So, but either way, regardless, it, it's pretty much those three in the outfield. And I don't think in the Phillies' position that they're in that they're just gonna use Bruce and Hazley in the outfield the rest of the year. I think that they'll go out and try and get somebody at some point, unless those two just crush like the rest of the year, you know, I mean, Bruce is off to a good start homered again today. Hazley, you know, we'll see what happens, but I could definitely see if Hazley's not very good in the next month or two, they go out and get somebody at, whether it's the deadline or before a little before the deadline or whatever. And we were talking about that on the Rotomasters two chat group in terms of who they may go out there and go get and, Andrew, the first two names we discussed in that chat on Tuesday was Malik Smith with the Mariners and Kevin Pillar with the Giants, and both are on bad teams and seem like good fits here. Of those two, who do you think is a better fit for Philly, and are there any other center fielders you think would be a good for them to target? Um, I think Pilar would be a pretty good fit for them. I mean, I'm not saying that they'll go after him, but they have enough offense. He's a great defensive center fielder. Just seems like he would fit the team well. I don't know. Um, I'm also not sure that they want Hazley, Bruce, or Harper in center field every single day, like none of the three. So, I don't know. It just seems like he would fit, but that's just pure speculation on my end, like when I mentioned it the other day, I have no idea. I, I really don't get why the Giants even tried to get Pilar either. So, um, kind of, uh, have you kind seen of, the uh, Giants' transactions over the last decade? Yeah, it actually seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what about Andrew McCutcheon? He's 32 years old. We 33 opening day next year. And let's talk about him in a dynasty league. Would you consider targeting him if you were in a dynasty league and not competing? Or do you think because of his age and this injury, you'd be staying away? I'd probably be staying away. I I guess maybe if you were thinking you would compete next year, possibly. But his values, uh, it's just down a lot now, especially because he won't be back till next year when he's 33 and I don't know it's it's a good name but it's it's kind of one of those things I feel like people will overvalue him because of his name and you know he's just older and not the same guy he's always been I I like him like I like him as a player it's just it's just you have to have a realistic perspective on it 
what's his contract situation? I'm trying to look it up right now. Is he a free agent after this year, or did he sign a longer deal with the Phillies? I'm, was, not, it, I'm not positive. I want to say it was like a three-year deal he signed with them, but Roto World, usually I try looking there, and I'm not seeing it. Oh, there we go. Contract situation. Yeah, he's locked in through 2021, 2022. They've got a club option on him. So he's probably going to be back there. I don't think he's a bad buy in terms of even if you're not competing, if you can get him for cheap enough, I think you could get something out of him come next spring, depending on what you could get for him now. I, yeah, I'm just not I'm just not sure somebody's giving him away though. I mean Yeah. I just I'm not convinced of that. It depends. If somebody's competing and they're looking for an outfielder, you I don't know. If you got yourself some veteran who's not really as going to be as good as him next as McCutcheon next year. I don't know who that even be right off the bat, but yeah. Okay. We'll we'll move on. And we were talking about Jay Bruce. He was traded to the Phillies since we recorded last from the Mariners, and it looks like he's going to start in left field. Originally, they were saying against left-handed pitching, but he's on the good side of a platoon. Does this feel like a positive, negative, or neutral change for Bruce? Man, it sure looks like a positive so far. He's just yeah. playing really good. I I think it's close to neutral, slightly positive, though. I do think it's positive. Yeah. I, I think that even with when Kutch was there, I felt like he would play. Um, now he's definitely going to play. Yeah, I think it's positive. Better team, better park, positive. I agree. Okay. Next up, we're going to talk about Carlos Carrasco. This news just broke on Wednesday afternoon, as this afternoon before we started recording, and he's stepping away from the team after some blood issues. I think they were affecting his injury or his energy, and he was feeling really lethargic. I've been a little busy, and I haven't gotten to read too much more into than that so far, but this just seems like a snake-bit season for the Indians. I, I mean... Between him, you got Clevenger, you got Lindor, who was hurt to start the year. Jose Ramirez has been awful or to start the year, and you know he's playing better. But compared to last year, I should say, he's taking a huge step back. Bowers hasn't been that great. It just, I'm starting to wonder if this team, if it's about time they need to start selling. Yeah, it's so crazy, man. I, I remember when we went, back and we were just talking about how they had this division on lock and man it's every single thing has gone wrong it's just like and you know what's funny is i still even now i still feel like they have a shot there's a lot of season left they have awesome starters like when they're right granted they haven't been right but yeah, I and, I and I don't fully believe that the Twins are like this juggernaut that they've been so far. It's a combination of all of that. But, but yeah, it does. At the same time, it is starting to get that feeling like it just may not be their year. I mean, they're just – everything's going wrong, like you said. And going back to the Twins, it almost feels like for them everything's going right. Right. Buxton, Buxton's hitting. Polanco's hitting. Kepler's improving. Oda Rizzi's <laughs> pitching great. Yeah, um, Martin Perez has been pretty good. It just it feels like everything's clicking for them. Which yeah, both could flip. You're right. I I agree with you that I, I'm not calling this division over by any means, but it doesn't look good. 
it looks like it could be something that could be wrapped up and we're run gone by a month from now by the all-star break yeah and i like i said i still think cleveland can make a run but it's it's starting to look less and less like that's going to happen but it is still a long season so if let's say they decide to start selling who would you sell and who are you keeping in that group are you uh, Trevor Bauer. I don't know. I'd have to look at the contracts. I don't know them all off the top of my head, but I haven't been a Kluber guy for a while. I've just been waiting for Kluber mm-hmm. to go go off, to, you know, the deep end, and he's been hurt. And I don't know. It's it's kind of tough to say. You're obviously not selling Lindor or Ramirez, but I'm trying to pull him up on roster pitch, resource right now. The, the pitchers. You know, you could probably make an argument for any of the pitchers. Well, I just went over to roster resource. I was trying to find some stuff. I'm not really having great luck seeing exactly real quick, so I think I'm just going to move on here. And we'll move on to Travis Shaw being back, coming off the injured list on Monday from the, with that wrist injury. And to the shock and dismay of many, Keston Hero was actually demoted back to AAA for the Brewers. All Keston did was hit with a 281 batting average, 333 on base, and five home runs, all in 69 plate appearances. Someone actually said in the, I think it was the Baseball 365 group, this is on a Rockies level of stupidity. What say you, Andrew? Man, this pissed me off, man. This really pissed me off. I, I have one share of Hero. And it's a league where I was able to replace him with good players. So it's really not even that much to do with that. A little bit, but, and and I'm clearly not a Brewers fan, but man, I just don't understand. Like, it's just, it just pissed me off. I don't even really have much input because it's like clear as day that he comes up, he's playing, I mean, he was playing really good, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like Travis Shaw. I mean, come on. Here's what I'll say. I'll, I'm going to give him credit. I don't agree with the Rockies' level of stupidity because the Rockies would be playing them both every other day, and that's not good for anybody. I, I'm okay. I, it doesn't bother me too bad. It, I mean, I don't think – I think they probably should have figured out a different way and kept Keston in that lineup. But I'm going to at least say – it's better than letting him play every other day like they might have oh, done. And Travis yeah. Shaw, you know, he just hit 30 home runs last year. And maybe this injury, when he, I think they said he was plunked at the beginning of the season, and that's affected him. Maybe he comes back and he actually is hitting well. And maybe they can get some trade value out of him. Or maybe they figure out a different way of something else to do. But So I don't fault them too bad here, as, as dumb as I as easy as it is to jump at them. And I don't blame anybody for jumping. I just don't think I am personally yet, but I get it. It's here. has been playing so great. His bat's ready. There's, he needs to be up playing, but yeah, I just don't get like, I get that Travis Shaw should probably play or get a little bit more of a shot. Like just cause he had a, a rough start to the year doesn't mean it's the end of Travis Shaw, but it's like there's other guys on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus you, you mean to, yeah, like you mean to tell me like you've got to keep Ben Gamble around? I mean, like 
you know, there's just, I don't know. It's, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's just like the kid comes up and he's just, he's playing good. You know, he was, he was playing good and he was on like a upward trajectory. You got to kind of just let that go sometimes. And then they just send him down. I was pretty shocked when I saw that I was, I don't think anybody was really seeing this coming. I think we were all like, what are they going to do? It'll be interesting to see. Maybe yeah. Shaw's a bench bat, and they're just shuffling guys around a little bit. Like, you could you could shuffle around between Shaw, Moustakis, Hira, Aguilar, and you could sit one of those guys every four games, and at least they're playing three out of every four games. And that's yeah. not too bad. And really, you find out one of them's not hitting, and they become the bench bat. But uh, as long as it's not Hira. I don't know. Yeah. It's, you wouldn't want Hira on the bench just because it's better. Like you said, it it is better if he's just playing in AAA as opposed yes. to not playing in MLB. I get I get that and I totally agree. Yeah, that's where you're playing him three out of every four days, and if he does start struggling, that's when you send him down. But Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to your uh, more positive thing I think you'll be upbeat about, and that's Chance Cisco. Your boy's finally back up in the bigs after a stint in AAA to start the year, and he was pretty impressive in the spring in AAA. He was hitting 289 with a 382 on-base percentage and 10 home runs in 44 games. Andrew, I know you liked him as a late-round guy before the season, and I'm I'm assuming you still feel positive vibes about him, don't you? Yeah, he's always been my boy. I've I've never really liked how they... uh they've treated him i don't know i just feel like he should have gotten a shot before a real shot like an extended when i say shot i mean an extended run i la- i kind of laughed because pedro severino hit three homers yesterday if you did you see that <laughs> you know what i didn't see it until i was looking at um draft kings and yeah. setting a lineup for tonight and i saw severino was hitting fifth so i Clicked his pro, I tapped his name to look and see, and I saw 44 points yesterday. I was like, what in the hell? And I went, yeah, and I saw he had three homers. And yeah, I actually he was, uh, he started, I think he's, I don't think Cisco started since he came up, but it's only been a couple days or whatever. But I think he, he actually is in there tonight. I, I think they, he replaced him or something, but, um, but yeah, I just had to laugh. I'm like Pedro Severino hits three bombs in a game right after Cisco <laughs> comes up. Yeah, his defense isn't the greatest, but he's always just been able to hit. And with the state of Baltimore, it's like it's just like just let the kid play. I mean, I don't care if his defense sucks. His defense sucks. He'll, I think he'll be okay. He would be okay in fantasy if they just let him play. All right. Well, now the draft has begun and draft pick picks tied to Kimbrell and Keichel who are still free agents that's gone and while it sounds like Keichel has a lot of teams pursuing him Kimbrell looks like he's got his, signed with, with a new a new deal within the last hour just a, shortly before we started recording it sounds like he signed a three-year 45 million dollar deal with the Cubs Andrew you got to be very ecstatic about this yeah I'm thrilled I I uh Equally thrilled because I have a couple shares of him and obviously going to my team. That's awesome. I've been hoping for that. I talked to a few people about like how they just have to do it because their time to win is now. I mean, it's, it's no secret. They don't, they don't have a very good farm. They're, 
you know, all their talent is basically in the major leagues. Time to win is now. Get Kimbrel, pay him. I don't care. Just get, just do it. Because there's no way, and I was telling a guy this, I was telling a guy this the other day, and there's no way, I don't care what the Cubs did this season, if they go into October with this bullpen without Kimbrel, they're not winning anything. So they just, they needed him and fantasy owners needed him too. I'm, I'm so glad because I've got him in the couple leagues where I have, but been sitting on him. It's like, I need saves, you know? So it just, it, it's good all around for me. Yeah. It's, I was real surprised he got three years out of this given nobody seemed interested in giving him a contract like that. And he was really holding out, trying to get himself a five. I think I may, may remember he was even trying to get a six, seven year deal before uh, this winter. And I guess this is a step down, but I didn't expect three years even. I don't know if you saw, but right as we were about to start uh, recording, Winder posted in the RM2 chat that the Twins wouldn't go the third year. The Twins oh, yeah. were the Twins were in on him, and they wouldn't go the third year. That's according, crazy. According to something from Twitter that he posted, so I thought that was interesting. It's just that's that's crazy to me. Why wouldn't you do it? Here, here's why I think they should have done it. They could have signed him, probably wouldn't have gotten stuck with a no-trade clause. And even if they just wanted to get him this year, they could have floated him around and probably got him for a late-round pick or something because they're not paying anything to get him, like draft pick compensation. They could trade him away for some low-level, no-name prospect. Somebody's going to want him. Yeah. So you're not even really having to worry about that unless he just absolutely falls apart this year, which I guess there could be some risk in that. I mean, yeah, he was, there is. There he is was rough late last year, and he didn't get with a team till middle of the season. And there's risk, but I don't blame the Cubs at all for I, it. Was like you said, they needed him. Yeah, there's there's some risk that he like falls apart. You know, I mean, it, there's always going to be that risk, but you also don't have that many chances to get a guy that is potentially this impactful. So, you know, you what just they, got you got to address needs. I mean, what do they say in terms of fantasy dynasty baseball? One of the last things you get whenever you're getting close is pitching and closers. Right yeah. now, they are. Last time I looked, they were something like forty-two and twenty. One of the best record. They're right there with the Houston Astros in terms of record around the league. And so their time is right now to be make pushing for things like that. He made a lot of sense for them to be get going after him. And you know what? If it doesn't work out either the end of this year or early next year, things aren't working out, you can move them. Yeah. This was the time to do it. Who do you, uh, who do you think, where do you think Keiko's going to go? I want to say the Yankees. They, I, I hear that they're pursuing them hard and, I just always think if the Yankees are pursuing somebody and they want somebody, they're going to get them. Yeah, I, I, I hear that's exactly who I was going to say. I hear the Cardinals are tied to him a little bit, and I can see that too because Dakota Hudson's not pitching great. Mikolas isn't pitching well, and then Walk has already been bumped. So that makes sense too. Honestly, I don't want the Cardinals to sign him because I have a feeling it's going to be a two, three-year deal, and I've just seen the Cardinals make enough bad Con- make him s- agree to enough bad contracts like this to where I I just don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about Keuchel. I just 
So yeah. I don't want him. He's more than welcome to go to the Yankees. And good for him. Moving back to the Cardinals, it does appear that Alex Reyes could be back in the Cardinals soon. Manager Mike Schilt said before the game this past Sunday that Reyes could be brought back to start this weekend, and he did have a rough start on Sunday, and they're saying he's at least going to make one more start in AAA, but he could be back right after that. Andrew, I still believe in the upside long-term, but he isn't showing what he showed last year yet in the minors. How are you feeling about him in terms of this year? I just want to see him. I mean, I I feel like once we see him once or twice, we'll be able to have a little better handle on it. And until then, it's kind of like a little bit of uncertainty. But it's definitely exciting. I mean, if if he's out there, you know, everybody's watching and paying attention to it. So I'm kind of rooting for that as a baseball fan. It was about a year ago right now. I saw him pitching a rehab game here in double A. I've talked about it before on this podcast. It was the best pitching performance I'd ever seen major leagues or minor leagues. He was absolutely dominant. And I don't feel optimistic if he came back up in a week next week that he's going to be great right off. He could eventually figure it out even this year and start showing some flashes late in the year. The potential's there, but yeah, he's got to put it together. All right. Well, Jimmy Nelson's back with the Brewers, and as we're recording tonight, he's back making his first start in almost two years for the team. And the best part is that it may actually be easier than the matchups he was having in AAA because that was the PCL with the juice ball. But And tonight he was facing the Marlins, but I don't think I was looking earlier, and it looked like he didn't have the greatest outing. And Andrew, do you, do you have he a slide in front of you? He definitely didn't have the greatest outing. Uh, three innings, five runs, four earned, two Ks, four hits, three walks. I think I remember you telling pretty me last ugly, week you were too high on him. So that's not a good sign. Yeah. yeah, it's one start. It's just, yeah, it's just not a good one, obviously. But it's, yeah, I'm not, I just don't think he was anybody to like hold or, you know, it, Couple good starts. I mean, he'll be a guy that you could stream, but I, I would, I wouldn't trust him until he shows it. Definitely wouldn't, especially because he gets beat up by the Marlins at home. I mean, if you can't trust him there, then when can you? Yeah, it's a definite sit if you can have the room in a real deep league. But he's not somebody I'm really making myself hang on to in leagues. Yeah. Well, Nate Lowe is back up. And he was sent back down before since we last recorded. He went up and down. He started one game on Saturday afternoon and was back down on by Sunday. Andrew, some are ripping Tampa for how they're handling low, but you made a good point on Sunday on the Baseball 365 group in terms of it's only one option. I didn't even realize this, that he can be called up and sent down as many times as the Tampa wants this year. It's still only one option. It counts as one option, right? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, there had to be some type of reason why they did that, but I did not look into it. I'm not going to lie. I I don't know what it was, but was somebody, I mean, did they have a, I don't know, somebody banged up or? Yes. There had to be something. I already forgot who, but somebody was banged up, and they were back in the lineup Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Was it Choi or? 
Maybe. I, I don't remember for sure now. And I don't yeah. want to say because I don't want to be wrong, but I think somebody was. And then they were back Sunday, and they just needed a bat on Saturday, so they brought him up. And, yeah. You know, people are bagging on the Tampa for not playing him much, and I know Choi's not setting the world on fire. And Diaz got off to a great start, and he hasn't been great. But when I look at Nate Lowe and what he's doing in the minor leagues, he's doing all right, but I don't think he's forcing their hand. This isn't a Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez thing that Houston's got. I don't think he's forcing their hand and saying that he needs to be up and playing right now and get that clock going, especially because they're win- Tampa's winning. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird with some of these teams that like they're winning. It's like, you would think they would want the best players up, but like with you, you know, just going off of the Jordan Tucker thing, it's like Houston's winning without them. I almost feel like they don't even care. They, they might just, push it back even further because it's like well we don't even need them yep you know i i don't necessarily think that's the situation with tampa because Tampa's not just going to coast to that division title yeah but you know it's it's just kind of odd definitely Damn. odd to, definitely odd to call them up just for one game but like you said that Choi or whoever banged up it makes a little more sense i knew there had to be some reason Lowe's been up for a couple weeks, probably of actual service time, maybe two weeks worth. It wouldn't surprise me at the end of June, beginning of July. I don't. I think if like the Super Two thing, if he's not called up till you know, typically Super Two's beginning of June, but if he was up for two weeks, if he doesn't come up till the end of June or July, some point, that still give him four years of control. I'm assuming the before four years before arbitration, which is what the Super Two does. I would yeah. assume that'd be the case. Yeah, I would think. So, wouldn't surprise me if he's they he's not really seeing much action until July. All right. Well, speaking of AAA, how about Kyle Freeland? Last year he was in contention for the Cy Young, and this offseason there was plenty of people talking regression. But man, I don't think anybody saw it going this bad. After a seven plus ERA in fifty nine innings, Freeland was sent down to AAA on Friday, Andrew. Quite the fall from grace. Yeah, no kidding. I, I tell you what, man. It, I'm I'm surprised. Like, of course, obviously, you don't expect this, but I'm not that surprised that he's having a rough year. I'm just not. Like these no. guys, these guys that pitch in cores. And if you ever hear me say like I don't want the guy just because he's a Rockies pitcher, this is why. Like this is exactly why, is because. Yes, they could have a run where they're hot and they look good, but this is what, this stuff can happen. It's just what a disaster. He's just a it's just a mess. I mean, I think he was fourth yep. in the Cy Young voting. Yeah, Pretty sure. I I, th- I was thinking it was even third, but it might have been fourth. It was yeah, th- I think it was it fourth. was top five. Yeah, and this has gone about as bad as it can go. I will say that. In oh terms yeah, of this he's seen two extremes these two years but yeah i'm pretty sure i'd love to go back and listen to hear what we said about him before the season but i do remember you and i both being basically we don't want any part of him yeah it's just especially because coming off of that year you know it was about as high as it was gonna get you know as far as like people's opinions on him and where where he was gonna go in the draft 
And after struggling in his most recent start, it sounds like Corbin Martin has been demoted by the Houston Astros back to AAA. And I wanted to throw in a great question I saw asked by Max Powers on Twitter. His handle is at 80 grade, and that's spelled out 80, not the numbers, on Twitter. And I, when I saw this question, I asked him if it was okay if I asked it on the podcast. And I ended up seeing another question, which I'll mention later in the podcast, both from him. But he asked, which Corbin rebounds in 2020 and produces more, Corbin Martin or Corbin Burns? Andrew, I thought I'd let you start with this. Corbin Martin. I figured you'd say that. And don't don't blame you. I think he's he's, – I think Corbin Martin's good still. It was kind of a rough go of it here these last few starts is – I watched him a little bit, had him on a couple teams, and started just. I was reserving him, you know, these last couple times out. But um, yeah, I, I think there's something there. I think they need to get him down, get his confidence back, and then you know bring him up when they need to. But they can afford to be a little patient with him because they're just such a good team. Honestly, I wish the Brewers were doing with Martin what, or with Burns what the Astros are doing with Martin, and just send him back down. Because yeah. I still believe in Burns. I, I like both. I honestly think both could rebound and be really good next year. But I just, I really like Burns. I still really like that upside. But both of them have it. Yeah. Okay. It's time to discuss some questions asked on the Baseball 365 podcast group this week. We did put some questions. We asked for people to give us some questions. And we will start with John Calvagno, who asked us to rank the following prospect pitchers uh and this is dynasty ranking but casey mize matt manning forrest whitley mckenzie gore jesus lazardo nate pearson dustin may brendan mckay those are all fun names and i thought this would be a fun one to go over so i know you just gave us a rankings of a few of these guys were on your prospect ranks you made a couple weeks ago andrew but how would you rank these guys? Uh, I would go Whitley 1, Gore 2, uh, Mize 3, Lazardo 4, Manning 5. Uh, who else we got here? McKay, Pearson, Dustin Mayer, the last three left. Um. Pearson six, and then um, probably McKay, and then May, but sure. it, the, inter, a little interchangeable there at the back end. I'm a little different. I got Whitley number one, but I got Lazardo two, Gore three, and Mize four. So that's a little different, but I think you could throw those names in a hat, and they're all pretty close. And May yes. Manning feels like a pretty clear five to me. Like, I think he's above the tier below him, but I don't think he's quite there in that tier ahead of him yet. He's got the upside of all those guys. He's, I think you could argue he has more upside than Casey Mize, but he's, I, I put him number five, and then I got McKay, Pearson, and May, but those are also three names that I think you could throw in a hat and are pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard to argue with anybody back in Casey Mize. I mean, it's he's pitching so good. Mm-hmm. I, I I mentioned it before. I'll go on record that Gore has the best career out of all of them. 
I think yeah. he's the best. I think he's the best in the end. But he's far he's far enough away though that I get it if somebody's not as high on him. Yep. Agreed. And Jaron Foster asked what minor league stats we look for in predicting future success. Andrew, would you like to tackle this question? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tricky. I I don't really look at I mean, I look at stats, but I don't look at stats to predict future success. It's more um tools for me. You know, just like if I know if the guy has tools and he's not putting up the stats, I don't really care as much. It's just reading about them, knowing their tools. And it, it, there's so many different variables when they're in the minors. It's like, like, for example, a guy might have high stolen base totals and it might just be situational. But if you just, if you look at the like minor league stolen base totals and just assume that a guy is really fast, I, I think that's like a, uh, a mistake that people can make it's things like that. But I wouldn't say that I, I, I look at stats. I do. I, I mean, I, I do. I pretty much look at what the top minor leaguers are doing pretty much every day. But um, as far as like predicting future success off of it, I, I wouldn't say I really do that. What about, we what about you? We didn't talk about this beforehand and I was wondering how you were going to answer this question, but I've pretty much agree with what you said. It's I don't really look at the stats and take much into future success. The biggest thing I'll look at is what they're striking out and walking percentage. But you're and just seeing because guys who strike out a lot sometimes they have harder adjustments going up as they move up levels. And if they're walking, that makes me feel better about their ability to control a strike zone. But that that isn't always even. A perfect way to project them but in terms of the stats yeah it has very little to do with what how many home runs and batting average they're showing down there in the yeah. minors it's more especially the guys who are not showing it and this is where you need to be doing things like reading the baseball america handbook prospect handbook or reading articles by guys who are getting out there and seeing these players and see hear what they're saying and hear yeah. what they're hearing from and that's going to get you more information than sitting here looking at somebody's box score. Cause if, uh, and one other point, I really like what you said about stolen bases. And I wanted to circle back to that because the best example I have of that, and I don't think I owned him early on, but this was when I wasn't quite as developed as a fantasy player when Adam Eaton came up. And I remember in the minors, Adam Eaton was stealing 40 to 50 bases every year, in the, or at least the, the, those last couple of years before he came up. And I remember thinking he was going to be that type of player when he came up. And it was rather shocking to me to see 15 to 20 steals instead. Yeah. And that's because it's different in the minor leagues. You can, it's easier to run when you're down there as compared to once you get to the bigs. It's just different. And you can't look at a guy like Asturi Ruiz is a good example. I always hear people saying that he is not this 50 stolen base guy that he's been doing in the minors right now. He's probably more like a 20 stolen base guy. Yeah. You just got same, same with uh, the one I think of that I heard this year is uh Ren Gifo from yeah. A- the angels. Yeah. Yeah. Another same type, same type of thing. Yeah. So it's not about stats as much as 
reading articles and more like I don't read as many articles, but I listen to as many podcasts as I can. And I try to listen to these guys that are more scouts than you, than we are. We just, all we do is read. I mean, I I will, I will say if I, if I had to go off of one traditional stat, it's probably on base percentage. Yeah. And I most, I mostly just say that because, if you can get on base, like whether you're in, you know, low A or double A or triple A or the majors, it's like the goal of a hitter is, is to get on base. And I, I mean, if you can get on base and you demonstrate that through the minors, then you, it may play, you know, it's, there's a good chance that that's going to play at least at some level on the majors. So I'm glad you said you have in good chance. Yeah, you have to have a higher, a little higher uh, threshold for it, though, too, because it's like, you know, a good OBP in the majors versus the minors. It's it's a little bit different, it, but it's that's one thing that I do try and keep an eye on. Like, is this guy getting on base? Yep, that's why we were so high on Garrett Hampson going into the yeah. year. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't always work out perfectly. Let's let's be uh, be real. That, but that's why I'm glad you said may and likely yeah. as compared to not, or it's oh, not yeah. definite. Yeah, none of it's none of it's uh, definite. I mean, we've mentioned Fran Mel Reyes is someone who's crushing, and he doesn't get on base that much, you know. Nope. So yeah, there's there's uh, there's exceptions to it, but yep. Okay. Well, I'm going to plug 80 grade on Twitter again at 80 grade because he had another question I found interesting and I'll ask it here. He asked who produces more in two, tw- next year in 2020 Garrett Hampson, Jonathan VR, Jorge Mateo. I just found that a fun question to ask Andrew rank those three for how you think they'll be next year. Um, I actually, don't even think it's close. I I don't I don't see how in the world you could take any any of these guys besides VR. Yeah. I like I don't I mean I I like Hampson. I still like Hampson. And I've always been intrigued by Mateo. I mean, we've talked about him a lot and stuff and but yeah, there's there's no way that I would take those guys over Jonathan VR until I have a reason to. And that reason is doesn't feel like it's close right now so or like close to happening i guess i should say so yeah vr for sure here's the second i mean it's probably opportunity based between the other two it's hard to hard to say here's here's where i will play devil's advocate i agree with you by the way and actually what i'm about to say may be getting his on base is up to 310 now, and I know it was under 300 last time I looked at VR. I don't remember. It was probably a few weeks or maybe even a month ago. So that's improving, and that's good. But I saw that he's been moved down to sixth in the lineup a lot lately. So he's working his way down that lineup for the Orioles. But I agree that he's the safe guy to take here because he's the one that's getting playing time right now. But it is an interesting thought of who's who's more likely to be playing and producing next year between Hampson and Mateo. That is a, that's a good comp or a good question to ask. One guy had the frustrating year, but he's got some service time and both teams, both guys seem to play for organizations that 
don't mind just not playing guys if they're not producing. And Mateo could fall into the same problem. Mike, I've said before, I could see Mateo going down the Franklin Barreto path if he doesn't hit well when he comes up. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's close. Okay. Well, now we'll get into the main subject we got for the show, which is disappointments from this year's draft. And I thought I'd mention somebody from each position, at least one player, sometimes multiple guys. And we'll get started with catcher here. And I have to say the top five has done pretty fu- pretty well this year as I was looking at ADP. But six through ten is pretty ugly. And the two I'm going to mention here are both in that group. And they were Buster Posey and Danny Jansen. Posey's hitting 257 with three home runs and 18 runs and RBI, both 18 in 46 games. And Danny Jansen's hitting 167 with two home runs, eight runs, and 11 RBI in the 43 games played. Andrew, given I'm the one that said Jansen would finish as a top three catcher before the season, I feel like this one I need to take, and I'll let you come in and talk after me. But if anyone listened to me and drafted Jansen because of what I said, well, I guess I owe you an apology because it has been ugly. But now that I've gotten that out of the way, I'm going to say I'm doubling down and saying I still believe in this guy long term and probably would be buying him next year if he's cheap because catching is a tough position and the defense is so much more important than the offense. And the example I think about this is Yachty Yachty Molina when he came up. His hit tool wasn't developed. He was a really good defensive catcher. And as Tony LaRusso said that he could hit zero all year long and he'd still play him every day because of the value he brings. And Jansen, I know, has put a lot of time into trying to get the defensive and calling the game part down. And the manager even said that he thinks that's affecting him offensively. And he should pick that up and be more prepared going into next year to where I could see a rebound there. Yeah. Yeah, I could see a rebound too. I I still kind of like Jansen. It's been rough. Um, you know, it's only been it's a couple months. I mean early part of his career, you kind of have to, with the catching landscape these days, you kind of have to uh, be kind of a little bit excited about anybody that's young with any type of upside. And I still think he has some of that. It's just been a little bit of a rough go, but doesn't mean it'll last forever. Yep. I think I said this before a couple weeks ago, but I traded for him in a dynasty a couple weeks ago with in Rotomasters too, and I'm excited to have him because I do think as my window hopefully opens up in the next year or two, he should he could get going right about that same time. Yeah, I have him in um, in my online championship <laughs> league. I have Yachty and Jansen, and you know it's twelve team two catcher, and I've debated I've debated a little bit cutting Jansen, but I look when I look on. You know, so 24 catchers basically owned. I, I look on uh, free agents, and I'm always just kind of like, nah, I'd just rather give Jansen a shot to ride it out, you know? Well, now Yachty's hurt. Mm-hmm. So I picked up uh, Elias Diaz. He actually homered tonight. But if Jansen doesn't turn around and Elias Diaz is hot, when Yachty comes back, I might cut Jansen. But that's redraft, so it's a little bit different. Yep, you'll cut Jansen and walk with Elias. And I know you're not yeah. going to get that reference, but 
that's a WWE reference for, for the few of WWE think, fans. Yeah, I think I've heard it, but really, not. Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't know. It does. <laughs> it's, it sounds familiar, but I'm not a not a wrestling guy, so nope. So I'll I know just you move, are. Move on. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, we'll move on to first base now. Uh, looking at the top ten first basemen, I see four guys that look like they've been landmines so far. And that's Joey Votto, Daniel Murphy, Carpenter, and Jesus Aguilar. And Andrew, rest of season, rank these four guys on who you'd rather have. Uh, Murphy and Carp at the top, easily. Not not really close. I think they're I think that could go either way, probably. Uh then Votto, then Aguilar. Yeah. I'm with you. I think mine would be <laughs> if oh, I knew if I knew Aguilar was going to play, I'd probably have him ahead of Votto. I, I think Votto's pretty – like, he just looks so bad. But um, but I know Votto will play, so that's the reason I'd take him over Aguilar probably. Murphy and Carpenter, like I said, comfortably in front. I'm not going to mention who it was, but we got a message privately from a guy who plays in a 10-team league, and he was looking at – in a keeper league, Votto or Justin Smoke, who to cut? And we both, after thinking about it, both told him, Votto, you said it's not even close. And yeah, that's just, just where we're at. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. I th- I think I'm going Carpenter-Murphy. I don't really, I don't have an issue if somebody went Murphy-Carpenter. I yeah. think I'm going Aguilar and then Votto. And Va- if you're in a deep league, maybe I'd change that because Votto is going to get the at-bats. Yeah. And if you're needing the at-bats. But if I'm... If I'm in a 12-team league, I'm taking Aguilar because I think the upside's still more there with him than Votto at this point. Crazy to say. Totally fair. All right. Well, second base, Altuve did get off to a rough start in the batting average department and steals, but he was providing power, and now he's hurt. So I really am not going to touch on him. I'm going to more talk about two others in the top 10 that really hurt owners, Travis Shaw and Jose Peraza. And like we said earlier, Shaw's back. Mm -hmm. But Peraza has also been brutal. Uh, between these two, Andrew, are you expecting either of these guys to rebound? Whew, man, I tell you, Peraza has been brutal. Like, you ain't lying about that. He has been really bad. Um, I mean, <clears throat> he should a little bit maybe, but it's starting to get to the point where he's losing playing time too, so... I don't know. It's it's been really really bad. He's been bad. I have him in Roto Masters too. I I try not even to play him. It's it's kind of tough because like I need steals, but he just isn't producing at all. Been terrible. What's crazy is when you look at his stats uh, on Fangraphs, you don't see much different outside of one real big glaring thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but his fly ball percentage, and I might have mentioned this before, it was thirty eight percent last year. And it's 51% this year. So he's hitting the ball in the air more and on the ground less. So, which, isn't, which isn't really good with a guy actually, like him. Actually, no. His ground ball rate's just barely less. But his line drive rate is down 11%. It's only 14% yeah. this year. So He's just, he's just not a good hitter. Like he's nope. just, I've never thought he was really a good hitter. And it's starting to catch up to him now. I mean, it's just it's been really bad. I remember saying before the year, my exact line as we were covering second base was, 
why draft Gene Segura when you could take Jose Peraza two or three rounds later and he's basically the same guy? <laughs> yeah, and the big di- the, what's funny is the big difference between those guys is the ability to hit. I mean, that's because yep. Segura can, Segura can hit. I mean, and you know that's kind of what carries him. But yeah, Peraz is just just not that good of a hitter. Well, let's move on to third base. We got Jose Ramirez, who he isn't only the biggest disappointment at third base this year. But I think he may be the biggest disappointment in fantasy baseball at this point in this season. After a rough second half last year, it's carried over. And when I wrote these notes up last night, he was hitting 206 with four home runs and 14 steals, which at least he's running, trying to make up for the lack of production elsewhere with fantasy owners. But Andrew, looking at Ramirez's stats, I had a revelation that looking at what he's doing so far, isn't that kind of what before the season we were talking and thinking out Ad- at Alberto Mondesi would be doing at this point? Yeah, similar. Yeah, batting average especially. So where are you at on him? Are, is he just in, I mean, once again, just like last year in the second half, his BABIP is incredibly low, but sometimes that doesn't, that's not the full tell- tell-all story here. Is do you think this is more bad luck if it or is it is the skill are the skills dropping here? Uh I think he'll rebound some. I mean, I I thought it was pretty clear all off season that that was the absolute peak and <laughs> it was only going down. I, I think I mentioned I'd have him like ten in a dynasty startup when a lot of people were taking him three, four. So yeah, I mean, uh, I wasn't really that high on him this off season. In as far as long term, I've just I've just never really been that crazy about him. But yeah, I mean, I don't think he's like a a two oh eight hitter or whatever he, he's been. I mean, he'll he'll rebound some there. I definitely don't think he's been the biggest disappointment, though. I don't agree with that. Because of the steals, I just yeah he's he's got like fifteen steals and that that plays. I mean, at this point of the year, he's on pace for over forty steals. So that's uh, not that he'll get that, but that's at least helped. Yes, it has, and I think he's been incredibly unlucky. I think he's probably a guy to at least try checking into and seeing about buying. I don't know if how many people are going to sell real low in dynasty leagues, but. If you were doing a startup dynasty next year, and let's just say we don't know what happened the rest of this year, or let's say you were doing a startup dynasty right now, you joined a league, dynasty startup right now, where do you think you're taking a guy like Jose Ramirez? I'm not taking him. Well, that's, at some point, that's my would. that's my answer. I mean, I think he would like. I think. Where he would go, I I don't know. I would probably guess off the top of my head, like, what do you think, 20, 25? I don't know. It's yeah, tough. I think that probably it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard when you don't have the names in front of you. Like, okay, well, you know, I, I don't have the up. Whole, all the names, but but I wouldn't take him. I, I just wouldn't take him. I know that it's, he would go before I went or before I. Uh, before I took him. 
and I know this isn't all things equal, but I've just pulled up some dynasty ranks, and I'm going to try to get guys that are around the same age as him just to make this fair because yeah. if, if I ask you him or some 33-year-old who's playing well, that's kind of not fair. Yeah. But yeah. So just mentioning some guys in the same age range as him, who would dynasty. you rather have? So just dynasty, right? Yes, we're talking dynasty here. Okay. Carlos Correa. I'd rather have Correa. Okay. Wow. And I'm looking at dynasty rankings. That's a the guy the rankings I'm looking at has Correa at forty three. So we're gonna keep moving down here. Um Xander Bogarts. Um I'm I'm not really huge on him, but I think I'll admit I think I underrate him. Um What's the age difference? Do you have it in front 26 of 26 is Bogarts, and I'm pretty sure Ramirez is 25 or 26. Let me see. I didn't even look and see where this guy has I him. think this... that I think that one's close. Yeah, they're both 26. Yeah, I think that one's close. I think Bogarts will age a little better. I just don't I just don't feel like Ramirez is going to age well. I don't know. Yeah. It's just a it's just a personal thing. I I've felt and I felt that even when he was going ballistic last year. I just have yep. always kind of felt that. And you said uh, it before on the third base podcast. I do remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd take Bogarts. I Although I will say, I, Ramirez may have more value, though. Yeah. So as far as, like, to other teams. So, yeah, maybe that's not the right thing. It, it's pretty close. They're close. But I'll tell you, these rankings I'm looking at, I'm not going to say who because – just rather not do that to because it's a it's behind a paywall. But these rankings that I'm looking at has Ramirez at 23 and Bogarts at 53. So that yeah, says a lot right there. Yeah, I'd have Ramirez lower, but I'd probably have Bogarts a little higher too if I had to guess without looking. Okay, I'm gonna throw one more. And I like I said, I've never been I've never been huge Bogarts guy, but. There's, uh, I'm sure there's pitchers that <laughs> I would, I would have below both of them. So this one is fun. Another guy who's within a year of age, Byron Buxton or Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Jose Ramirez. Okay. So I finally went down far enough. Yeah. Yeah. Which Buxton has moved all the way up to 70 overall. In the yeah. Playoffs. And I, and I like Buxton. I mean, I like Buxton in comparison to where he's viewed as opposed to, you know, Ramirez. I yeah. just, I feel like people are higher on Ramirez than I am. So, yeah, we could talk, we could go right into Buxton. I know we were discussing him earlier. I'm, I'm sold on that guy. I, I just think see, I've, did you see today? He, I know he, he hit a three run blast, but I haven't watched he crushed, it. Yet. He crushed it. I'm so yeah. excited about that guy. It was Took- no doubter. Took him in the eleventh round of a startup dynasty in February. I thought, you know what, he's fallen far enough. This, I'm not even sold on him, but the risk is worth it at this point. Man, oh, yeah. that's paid off. Yeah, it's big, and I'm buying it. I mean, I should pull it up right now, but his strikeout rate has been much better this run as compared to previous good runs. And loading it right now, he's at twenty three percent. That is really good for him. So yeah. I'm I'm thrilled. Okay, 
get get back on track here. We'll move on to shortstop. And the position's been pretty solid so far this year. The only thing that has knocked a few back are injuries, and that's part of the game. That's not really fair to call them a bust, so I'm not going to rip players for that. I'd say the biggest disappointment so far is Manny Machado, and that says a lot about the position because he hasn't been awful. But the $300 million man for the Padres, he's striking out 5% more than his career numbers, and his batting average has suffered with a 251 batting average so far, along with 10 home runs in 59 games. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Machado in terms of have, – have your thoughts changed much on him? No, not really. I'm, I don't worry about him too much. So, you're not moving him down much? Not really, no. He's got a long enough track record, and nah, I'm I'm good with Manny still. I'm with you. So, okay, we'll move on to outfield. This is another position that looks top, where the top looked okay this year. There are some guys who have been injured also, but performance-wise, again, things are looking pretty okay. And the biggest disappointment so far this year haven't been terrible, but hasn't been great either, and that's Bryce Harper. He does have 11 home runs in 60 games, which is okay, but not great. But his 243 batting average, which actually I looked today and I think he had a two for four and was up to 250. So, but that came with a 30% strikeout rate, like we've talked about. And this is the fourth straight year where his strikeout rate has jumped, but he's walking a ton. Actually, I think he's walking at a career high right now, and he's still pacing for close to 100 runs in RBI. But I do have, I do have an eye brow raised here with that strikeout rate yeah i i i tell you i just some of these guys and um harper certainly qualifies there's just so much like track record and length of them doing what they do that i don't know it just doesn't bother me when they struggle i it's like if people want to freak out about Bryce Harper, let them. It's just not me. I, it would probably take him being, you know, disappointing to bad, whatever you want to call it. And I, I don't even think he's been bad. He's got a three fifty six OBP, and people are freaking out. You know, it's. But um, it would take a long time of him being like that for me to. I'm just slow to react to guys like that. I just am. And the strikeout rate must be dropping because when I did look a couple weeks ago, it was 31%, and now it's 29.5%. So that's a good sign that he's – that's dipping down. And Yeah, I mean, it is – I will admit it. It's obviously never good to see a strikeout rate that's going up. You know, I mean, that's obviously not good, but it, it's just like it's Bryce Harper. He's been good forever. He'll figure it out, you know. There could be some of him that's pressing with the pressure of the new deal and all that. I mean, I'm not, I have nothing to back that and I'm not even necessarily saying that's what's going on, but I just, uh, I'm just not worried about Bryce Harper. What I'm seeing is I think the same problem I saw last year in the first half, which is he's trying to pull everything and jack everything out of the park to right field. And last yeah. year, his pull rate was really high for him compared to where it had been the previous few years and his oppo rate had gone was actually his oppo rate as this year has dropped another six percent and he's just got i think 
the key for that guy being successful, I truly believe, is hitting all fields. I think he strikes will, out less when he's doing it that too. I will say that probably about as recently as a year ago to maybe, you know, a year and a half ago, I would have taken him two in a dynasty startup. Agreed. And I wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. Um, where, where would you take him roughly? You don't have to give me exact, but where, where do you think you would take him in a startup right now? Right, I'm going right back to dynasty rankings and somebody was talking. Well, don't do gonna, that. Do it on your own. I know, but I'm, I'm just trying. I got to see names to really see where I think I would have them. No. Um, gee, seven, seven to 10, I think is about where I'd have them. And he's a lot lower on these rankings that I'm looking at. He's down at 16, but I think I'd have him seven to 10, somewhere in that range. Yeah. I think I'd have him like 10 to 12, but yeah, somewhere in there, somewhere in there. But yeah. so, So, I mean, I guess, I guess if that is, you know, Obviously, I said I would have taken him two at one point, and I wouldn't. Now, if you want to call taking him at 10 to 12 being worried, I guess whatever, (laughs) you know. But it's like he's still, to me, a stud. I mean, it'll it'll be all right. Maybe 10 to 12. I'd have to really do some digging to do it. Yeah, yeah. Look, but he's he's definitely not top five for me anymore. There's too many guys that have moved up into there with the Vlad Acuna's rising up and i think Bregman yeah, even after seeing Bregman even and what he's doing this year yeah yeah okay well yep. next up did you have something else no no i was just saying even yelich too there's just other guys yep i agree he's not top five okay well next up is andrew Benatendi. he was going around 30th overall and right now he has a 259 average with six home runs and seven steals and his strikeout rate's up to 24%, which is significantly up over his 18% career rate. Yet, despite saying all that, I'm not really wavering much on him as as of in terms of his value. What about you, Andrew? Same thing. He uh, he's a really good hitter. He's fine. He'll be fine. One yep. of these year, one of these years, I feel like he's just going to go completely nuts. I agree. It's prob- probably not going to be this year, but yeah, one of these years. It, he's just a, he's an awesome hitter. I'm not worried about him at all. Easily see him being an MVP or a top three finisher one of these years. Yeah. All right. Well, the other guy who hasn't reached his levels that he's put out the last few years is Lorenzo Cain with the Brewers. And this is a guy who's one of my favorites in fantasy the last few years, but I don't have any shares this year. But in 15. 50- 56 games, he has a 258 batting average with four home runs and five steals. And looking at his page, his BABIP is 50 points lower than his career point, and his hard hit, but his hard hit rates are also down. I kind of have an eyebrow raised here, Andrew, given his age, and you know he's kind of reaching that point where it seems like people are are starting to show more slipping in today's day, where we do, it seems like we're in the post steroid era. I had to uh, I had to laugh when I saw you had this in the notes because I was talking about Kane with somebody last night and I uh-huh. thought it was I I couldn't remember who it was when I read this today but I was thinking it was you and then I was like wait no it wasn't you so it was just weird because I was just talking about how bad of a year he's having it 
then I just saw it pop up on here when you sent it. But <laughs> yeah, it's he's he has not been good. It, like it, it's really not not good. He uh, his hard contact is not good at all. Um, it's so weird because you you know you would just think on the surface like how are you not good when you are hitting ahead of Christian Yelich right now? Oh, like that's a good point. like if you. If you can't succeed hitting ahead of Christian Yelich, you know, I mean, what else do you need? Like, like he's arguably the best hitter in the league right now. I mean, it's just totally crazy. Yeah, I, he's it's definitely eyebrow raised with him for me, for sure. Yep, I would be trying if I was in a dynasty league. It may be too late to try unloading him, but if you got somebody who thinks they could buy low on him and trying to compete. Yeah, I'd be selling at this point. I think I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that this this decline has begun has begun for him. Yeah. Okay, and I don't even know where to start with pitchers. I'm just gonna move through this in a few tiers, Andrew, because it was not easy to go through. And just, I want you to tell me how to rank some of these guys in tiers. And we're gonna start off with the first tier of disappointments, which are guys who were kind of top 50 overall players, which is Aaron Nola, Corey Kluber, and Noah Syndergaard. Which of those three would you want to own or target to as a buy low the most for in terms of rest of the season? I think I would go with Nola. Um, Nola rest of season, I think. Syndergaard close. I'd have Kluber third. Same order, I think. And I could, uh, e- I could easily see Syndergaard being first, too. Yep. E- either one. I don't have any more to add. I'm completely in agreement with you there. So Yeah. But Nola, at least, is on a winning organization right now. And they're going to – I mean, I do believe there will be some energy in there on that organization right now. And the Mets have bad vibes. Did you see the tweet I shared? Or I think I shared it in our group with – I guess when he was taken off the mound last night, he wasn't happy about it. And the manager to the Syndergaard? point, I don't, yeah. And I don't know I, if yeah. he was, they were winning when he came out, but the manager after the game, it was bad enough that he actually apologized to the team in the clubhouse and said he made the wrong move. So I'm guessing he pulled him whenever they had a lead and the guy came and blew it. I didn't see the exact circumstances, but I, I saw a clip of Syndergaard pissed at somebody. I wasn't uh-huh. sure. I wasn't sure exactly what was. Go- I wasn't paying that close of attention, but that's what it was. Somebody yeah, was t- he was ticked that he was getting taken out of the game. It's man, that Mets organization sure looks dysfunctional right now. Yeah, they're diff- they're different types. Like Nola's a little more steady. I feel like, and Syndergaard's you know got a little bit, a little bit higher ceiling maybe. So either one of them's fine. I- I'd take yep. either one. I'd take either one over Kluber. Okay, well, this will be interesting. The second tier I've got for you, and these are pretty different names here. And Miles Mikolas, Mike Fultonevich, Yu Darvish, and Nick Pavetta. How would you rank those four? This one's kind of tough. Yep. Um, I would have, and you know, I love me some Pavetta. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would have Pavetta 
I think Pavetta and Darvish be my top two. Okay. Mikolas, Mikolas is fine. I'm just not a Mikolas guy. Like, he doesn't miss a lot of bats. And he's just, like, kind of whatever. He's regressed a little bit this year. I don't know. I mean, he's probably the safest one of the four. But just boring, too. I don't know. I Darvish looked pretty good tonight for the most part. I mean, yeah. he'll he'll be in the rotation. Like, the problem with Pavetta, and I like Pavetta, but the problem with him is, you know, a couple bad starts, and I don't even know if he's going to be in the rotation. I mean, they already sent him down, and it's kind of all over the place, but I uh, I like the ceiling there still. And then Fulte's just been bad. He's just been bad. You're going to win that board bet. <laughs> or whatever. Whatever we call them, I don't know. Three sixty-five, three sixty-five bets. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that one's looking good for you. But there's still a lot of season left, and he did just come up. So if he actually yeah. righted the ship, he could get down there below it. But it's definitely not been a good start for you on that one. But yeah, I think I'd go Darvish, Fulty, Pavetta, and Mikolas. I Mikolas is definitely four for me, just because. It's all of the reasons we said before the season. I pretty well remember us talking about him. And it's like, what happened last year was the upside. And when you're not getting strikeouts, he's got everything else has to go right. Or it can just bottom out. And that's what's happened this year. Yeah. And the other three guys, they all have more upside because they can get strikeouts. I'm taking Darvish because I'm seeing him showing some bouts of pitching well. And he's been healthy, and he's the guy who I feel most confident sticks in the rotation. And of the other three, I should say Mikolas is probably the one I feel most confident sticks in the rotation, but him and Darvish. but And Fulte and Pavetta, I could see either one of those guys getting the option. To, if Fulte, with how many options the Braves have, he could go down too. But I'm, I think I feel a little more confident in him than Pavetta and holding a, jet, holding a gig. Yeah, I always I always do tend to side with the strikeouts. It's it's like of all the of all the um the stats, you know, like in fantasy, obviously wins you can't predict. So it's basically you're looking at K's and ratios. I don't know. I just I just feel like the guys who are strikeout pitchers for the most part are always strikeout pitchers and the guys yep. who aren't for the most part, always aren't. Obviously, there's guys who increase their strikeout rate, lower, you know, lose some of their strikeouts, whatever. There's guys like that every year. But in general, like, you know, I love Robbie Ray. I mean, that's why. You know, I, I know he's he can be a whip killer, but I'm always, always going to get the K's. And then when you get the season like you got a couple years ago, then it's totally bonkers and he's an ace. So mm-hmm. it's... I do tend to side with the with K's when I don't know what to do. And, yeah, that's definitely an argument against Mikolas. Strikeouts first and then walks are second with me. Those are the two things I want to know about with pitchers. Yeah. And strikeouts, definitely the most important. Like a guy like Robbie Ray, sometimes he'll have bounce of wildness and have walks, and that sucks. But at least he's – if he that's something that can always get fixed. It's hard to teach people how to strike people out. Miles yeah, Nicholas is never going to be a 10-strikeout-per-9 10, 10 guy. 
those guys will drive you nuts. You have to have like a special type of tolerance to deal with uh, like the high walk, high K guys. But I mean, the, the ceiling on them is, is crazy if it, if it all comes together. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. That was, I really enjoyed going through that because we haven't really talked about a lot of these struggling guys in a while. And, um, I thought I'd it's not, bring up. It's not as fun as talking about the guys who are doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoyed this in terms of talking about some ranks and what you're doing with these oh, guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's I'm fun just... to compare dynasty values on a lot of these guys because sometimes there are buying opportunities. And some of these guys, I definitely, as I'm reading this and we're talking, I'm like, maybe I should be sending a feeler out. And then other ones, I'm like, maybe I need to be getting rid of this guy. <laughs> I know you have uh, I know you have Syndergaard in Rotomasters too. Would you trade him for Nola? Uh, so no. If if it was offered to you right now, no, 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 not in a dynasty. In a redraft, I think I feel more confident in Nola rebounding, but in a dynasty, no, I don't think I would. And I I was thinking about that question today because those two specifically were brought up on. I think a Rotowire podcast last week with Jeff Erickson I was listening to. Yeah. And it was interesting hearing him talk because I didn't even know this, but I guess Syndergaard has one of the like slower spin rates in the majors. He's just got such good stuff and velocity that he can just blow it past people. But no, I'm going to take the guy who I think can has the stuff, has the nastier stuff. Nola, like Jeff was saying, if he lost a, tick off of his fastball it could go real south for him yeah but i don't blame no. you okay well before we get out of here i thought i'd talk about my cardinals game experience i think i mentioned i won tickets about a month ago after seeing the cardinals in wrigley and i gotta go see i was in for a treat as i gotta see the cardinals and cubs on sunday and two grizzled veterans square off with cole hamels versus adam wainwright while it's clear Adam isn't what he was eight years ago, he's one of my all-time favorite Cardinals. I've loved this guy and just that the aura he has about him and what he brings to a clubhouse. And it's clear he isn't what he was eight years ago, but he is one of my all-time favorites. And I had never had the opportunity to see him pitch live, so it felt pretty special getting to go in and see him pitch in what I think is his last season, probably with the organization. And I went in with low expectations and <laughs> it was ugly through those first few innings. He was walking everybody, but he was getting lucky with double plays. But then next thing I knew, the guy who was with me told me, he's like, we're going to talk. I, he's got the thing we're not going to talk about going on. And that's when I realized he had a no hitter. Yeah. Yeah. And and, I was following it. I saw that. I was like, it was through five. I think he had five walks and uh-huh. no hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing i'm like i mean it was driving me nuts i'm like stop walking these guys and i know that especially when you're at the top of that cubs lineup and you're starting off with schwarber bryant and rizzo i mean that's just walks galore those guys know how to take walks and but yeah oh he was getting so lucky but late in that game he finally gave up a hit got a couple guys on and he was at 120 pitches and he got bryant out with the tying run on second or third base Rizzo comes up and I see Andrew Miller he's been warming up in the bullpen for the last five ten minutes I'm like okay 
here comes Miller. And nope, they left him in the game in the in a one-run game in the eighth inning with two on and a guy in scoring position to face Anthony Rizzo. I'm like, what are they doing? And fortunately, as a Cardinals fan, I know you're a Cubs fan, so that would be a different, unfortunately for you, he hit, Rizzo hits a line drive that looks like it's a hit. And Colton Wong made a great leaping catch to save that game for the Cardinals. Man, did you see the catch? Yeah, I was watching it when that happened. I um, I was kind of following it on and off through the first six, seven innings. But yeah, I did see I did see that play, and I was actually thinking when it happened, I was like, "Damn, that was that was an awesome catch." You know, obviously, I wasn't happy that it didn't drop in, but I was. I thought it was a good catch. And then from the picture that you took, it kind of looked like it might be right. Was it right in front of you? Um, it was close? a little further down the line to where it was actually hard to see, but I did see it happen. And oh, it okay. wasn't far yeah. from me. I was down the first base line. Yeah, I knew your seats were over on that side, I guess is what I'm saying. But that place exploded. Yeah, yeah I believe it. And so did I. I mean, that was awesome. It was real cool. So. Andrew, what about you? Are you? Do you have any games you're going to hopefully go catch in the next couple of weeks, major minor leagues? You know what? I w- I've been thinking about going tomorrow to. Oh, I got a few options. I don't know. I might not go. I might not do any of it. I don't know. But right. Cubs, Cubs are at home tomorrow. Wanders about an hour and 15 minutes from me, hour and a half. And um, Fort Wayne's at home too, which that's a little more of a drive. But I've been wanting to go over there, so you need I to go a, I see Wander on one of those Libertor games. Go catch both of those. Yeah, guys. the only thing is, is they it's it has to be an away game for them because it's just too far to their home games. But oh, okay. uh, so it's you know, and they're in South Bend right now. They're there tomorrow night. If it was a, I'll tell you this. If that was a day game, I'd go a hundred percent. Yeah, it's just night. I, I don't know. I like day games more. Just you don't me like personally. doing night driving. Well, no, I don't mind it, but it's like you go over there. The game's at seven. I'm not getting home till late. I'd rather go during the day when it's like sunny out. And I just like, I've just always been a day game guy more than a night game guy. I'm the just, opposite. Just me. I like the night games where it's a little cooler and it's going to be shaded a little more, which I just don't like being really overly hot. And I will also say baseball games, I don't care about it near as much as just about any other point in my life when I'm really hot. I just don't like being burning up, but I also care less at a game. Like it was, it was actually a pretty nice day on St. Louis on Saturday, but it was Sunday, but it could have been scorching hot. I wouldn't have been complaining. I was at a Cardinals game. Yeah, yeah, it's not a huge deal. I just I just slightly prefer day games. Okay, so I thought before we get out of here, I would mention what Andrew and I, we've been talking about what we want to do with the show over the next little while, and we came up to we, uh, with an idea I think we're both really excited about doing, and that is we're going to start talking about each division, and we're going to break down divisions in the major leagues, and we're going to start next week with a division, and we're going to talk about spend some time talking about players on those major league teams, but not only that talking about the minor league prospects on those teams and really just giving a good breakdown of the organization, some fantasy questions that apply to some of these guys 
and just maybe go in depth on some guys we really haven't talked about much this year. And we may not do that every episode for the next six weeks, but we are definitely going to work these in over the next while. It may be the next six weeks. We don't really know for sure yet. We'll just kind of go up, go off a of feel with that. But I'm pretty excited to do this, Andrew. I think it'll be fun to, there are guys we just haven't probably even talked about once since opening day. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. We'll, uh, we'll go through, you know, each division and just have some time to talk about each team, like the, the, uh, kind of the context of it, not just fantasy, but maybe even like who we think is going to win the division or how it's going to mm-hmm. play out. We can kind of, but yeah, we'll, we'll try and do uh, one of those on each show. Maybe not six in a row like that, but we'll do all six. I'm sure they're probably waiting to see if we, and people, listeners are wanting more of more discussions out of us about talking about Lord Escuriel. So maybe yeah. we can get the AL East done real quick, real soon, yeah. so we can talk about him more. <laughs> By the way, while we're on the Jays, uh huh. Did you see what happened tonight? Uh, uh, no, last I knew they were down seven six. Vlad three run homer. Oh man, Did, was that was that to it, win the game? Uh, well, they put him ahead and then they, they won. I mean, they scored a little after that, but when we were talking right pretty much at the beginning was when it happened. It was pretty low. It was like a laser. I'll have to watch, I'll have to watch it again. But that guy, he's, he's turning it on, man. Yeah. I saw a stat. It was his, uh, it showed, I don't know if I sent it to you. I sent it to somebody. It showed his first 11 games and how putrid he was. Mm-hmm. And then his 20 games since. And he's like almost 1,000 OPS since. So it's definitely coming yeah. around. The walks are up there. The hits are starting to fall. And that's what you – even when he was struggling there in the first 10 games, it's not like he was striking out and making weak contact. He was just – I think it was just some bad luck. And – yeah, that guy with yeah. how good of a hitter he is, that's not going to last long. And Beast. if Beast. you were if you were pumping your chest, if you were one of the naysayers before the season, and you were pumping your chest, yeah. you're not going to be able to pump much longer, in my opinion. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of guys we've gotten wrong. We trashed Mondesi before the season, and that looks horrible right now. So... I'm going to take my victory lap on this one, but it's not a, I know we know everything. We, we just definitely were right on Vlad though. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. awesome. And it's too so, early to it's take just a victory so, uh, lap, I guess. Oh no, it's definitely too early. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't, it's not like he's been great in capital letters, you know, since he came up. I mean, obviously there was a, there was a little bit of an adjustment period there, but you can tell he's on his way. Like it's whether it's this month, not till August, not till next April, whatever. He he's twenty years old and in the majors, and he's looks fine. I mean, yeah, he's gonna be, he could, he's gonna be he could have he could have one of those Augusts like Acuna had last year, where he's just homering every day for a little while. Yeah, I think he's getting more comfortable too. I really do think too when they get Bo up. Yes. That is going to get him going even more, too. It's like Maybe his buddy. We... It's like his buddy, you know? Like, imagine, and I'm not making an excuse for him, but imagine it. Imagine 
basically your best bud that you've been on these teams with all the way through the minors, you're not with them now. It, you know, that's – I think it's going to help him when he comes up. I can't wait till Bo comes up. And with Bo, he's back playing in some rehab games, I think, down in the low minors. So I think he's going to be up in July. I really do. Yeah. I think I'm convinced oh, he's going, coming up. With Biggio up now, I just I think it's happening. They're going to be so much more fun to watch even when, when Bo gets there too. I feel like mm-hmm. this is going to, be, it's going to be good. Now, I'll tell you now, I was planning on starting with the AL East, but now that we've done this, and talked about the Blue Jays this long. We're not starting with the AL East. I'm going to put yeah, some gap in we can start. We can start with the NL. That's yeah, fine. I guess we're going to do the NL East next week. Yeah, Unless you want to start talking about Acuna right now. And no, you don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we can go on about him too. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll, can do, we can do NL East. That's cool. We'll save that for next week then. Yeah. Okay. Any last words before we get out of here? No. Make any trades this week or no? Nope, nothing this week. I've had plenty of talks and a lot of talks that have gone nowhere. What about you? Just one small one. I traded uh, Zach Davies and who was it? Why am I drawing a blank? I got no, Renato. I got Renu- I got Renato Nunez. And- oh, I gave up Zach Davies and Corey Ray. That's right. Zach Davies and Corey Ray for Renato Nunez in a draft pick. Yeah, it's fine. Honestly, the fact that you got a pick, I think, makes it worth it because eh, all of it, yeah. but picks are fine. Yeah, it's a small, small trade. But... Yep. Doesn't look like a difference maker. Now, as I say that, you just never know. Sometimes some of those small trades turn into big things. Yeah, when so. Nunez when hits 40, it'll be a big one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he's starting MVP voting after, yeah. right there for, after him and Adley Rutchinson are tearing up the league in two years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, we'll get out of here. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us baseball365pod at gmail.com and if you like the show, take a moment rate us on iTunes and once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook that's where baseball lives 365 days a year